0: frustrating how biased it is against the cordyceps the perspective of those that media
1: yes you're right we should all be rooting for the mushrooms on in the horrifying mushroom zombie apocalypse have you been watching that show or did you just mention the show because you're aware that it's now a tv show as well
0: well just because i'm aware it's now a tv show and since we're having to distinguish between whether we mean a show or a game because we're getting into the nerd shit already hi my name is nick
1: And I'm Kyle.
0: And this is The Big Bang Theory Theory. It's a show where we watch the show The Big Bang Theory, but we don't really like that show, so we'll talk about that show a little bit, but more and more. We talk about the things we're actually interested in. So, yeah, I have not started watching that show. I'm probably not going to watch it, because, like, nothing against the show at all. And I hear it's pretty good, but, like, I've played both of The Last of Us games, and those were long, the second one especially. And um, unless there's something... Totally bonkers wacky uh, that I need to see in the show, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, have I mean, you been watching it?
1: No. And I was... I had this whole... like. I was really committed to my not watching The Last of Us thing. I want to make it clear it's not a weird political thing or anything like that. It's just like, played the first game, it bumped me out a little. Played the second game, it bummed me out a lot. It bummed me out so much I couldn't finish it because I was like, this is just not... A, an enjoyable experience. I don't understand really yeah. how anyone played that game. Uh, it is, it's, <laughs> the word that comes to mind is torture porn. Oh my goodness.
0: Last of Us 2. Have uh, I, I feel like I've mentioned this before, but when I, when I got to do a game QA testing thing, the secret game I worked on was The Last of Us 2.
1: Oh, that's right. You told me that. And yeah. I remember asking you of after you had the period had passed and you could sure sure, sure. Game. but before the game had come out or maybe about just before i bought it i was like so how is that and you were like yeah that, like your response was so lukewarm
0: oh man yeah well i remember so me and this other there were like 20 of us in just in cubicles in an office where we would go in we would play the game for Eight hours, they would bring in sandwiches midday, other than that we weren't allowed to leave. And so yeah, I'd just play The Last of Us Two all day and then after every level I'd be like, There's my favorite thing, it's my least favorite thing, and here's something that like anything that like just was seemed actually broken. And so end of the game, it was me and this other guy finished uh first and they paired us up to do our little exit interview and I was like, I don't know, you know, B B plus. Like it was It was a real bummer. Uh, It felt like there wasn't a clear arc for the characters, and it was just kind of a descent into misery. Uh, And then the guy with me was like, oh, uh, stinker D-minus. And I was like, well, that's a little extreme, but I don't know. Like, I guess it is, um, it's not, well, you know, I was going to say it's not a fun experience. Uh, well, I'm not taking it back. It's not a fun experience. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's my. It's not – so there are games which can get away with not being like enjoyable, like not being classically fun in the video game set. Like, like the, the – what am I trying to – there's a catharsis. The traditional video game experience is like you either shoot the demon or you jump on the turtle or something like that. And there's that a cathartic experience and you feel kind of good about it and that's the thing that keeps you playing the game. Last of Us takes that away from you because 90% of the time you're either so stressed out fighting the zombies or you're literally – you're just brutally murdering other human beings for yeah. questionable reasons. And so it takes that away from you, which is fine because you can still have a game as long as it gives you something else sort of meaningful to, like, keep your – like, something in the landscape that's beautiful or something, something that, you know – Because, like, I mean, I guess what I'm comparing it to is, like, in the last, uh, what's one of the most famous games of all time uh, is uh, the last, or Shadow of the Colossus, where Mm. you're not doing a good thing in that game. Like, it's not like you're necessarily a morally virtuous person.
0: No, Uh, you're tricked in, well, not tricked, but you you make assumptions that you normally would that are not correct in that game. (laughs)
1: Yeah, but even but even after knowing how it ends, you're like, well, it's still there's still something that's sort of beautiful in a tragic way about this whole experience. Oh yeah, so it's fine. Last of Us, it's just in addition to being sort of viscerally unpleasant, the actual combat and and stealth mechanics. On top of all of that, you are just in a sad sack, miserable world where everything looks ugly and broken. Uh, I guess there are some points where you're like in the woods or like at a dinosaur museum, but then you're not really playing the game. Then it's those sections are really just walking
0: tours, where it's like,
1: hey, yeah, to hear about Judaism for a minute. Well, the, um,
0: and you you just mentioned the the dinosaur museum. That's something that like really
1: really frustrating, by the
0: way. Well, I I so well, you know we'll get to the show. Like I said, we don't talk about it that much anymore. Um, I found it like genuinely touching when I when I saw it. I really enjoyed it, but also it was completely disconnected from the game. It was like you know, you just said walking tour, and that's exactly what it is. You know, it's like a full three D game or whatever, but you really are just walking from cutscene to cutscene. And I really I I enjoyed it, but it's it was to me just I don't know, mixing together two different experiences that I don't think meshed. And then also, uh something that I don't like about the first game in particular, like for some reason in the second game as this, like, it's a brutal world and I accept this now. But in the first game, I remember being really frustrated that, you know, like you said, that, you know, you're murdering people for often suspect reasons. And I thought before playing the game, I assumed that there would be situations where it is ambiguous whether you're killing the right people. And so I always wanted there to be an option to like negotiate or sneak past or find some other way through... But, yeah, in those games, like, you're often just required to murder everyone around you, no matter what the circumstance. Because yeah, that's... like, you
1: can, you can stealth for as long as you want, but, yeah, like you said, in order to advance to the next section, there inevitably comes a point where there's just no way to make it through without sneaking up behind someone who is just minding their own goddamn business and stabbing them in the eye socket. Yeah. Uh, like, literally, you're... I remember the exact moment that Last of Us 2 lost. I mean... All of it was questionable, right? Because that whole game revolves around someone's decision to seek vengeance, possibly. And and I know that anybody who likes this game and also the writers of the game would be like, oh, isn't that the whole point that this whole cycle of vengeance could have been avoided if we'd only had some forgiveness and compassion? But fuck you, that's not an option in the game to choose. So nor at any point is there anything that like... Allows you to, like to turn towards that you are just rail- you are basically just puppeteering a character who is determined to be Rambo and the exact moment where there's like a person playing their Game Boy and you come up out of the water uh, to, <laughs> sta- <laughs> to stab him and it turns into like a little cutscene where it's like uh where it's like oh you're not going to stab this person oh wait no they are reaching for a gun so like so now it's okay to stab them like like that somehow. Like the fact that that person was yeah. trying to defend themselves. The guy with the Game you...
0: Boy shot first.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to make this too political, but I read a pretty good uh, internet article uh, that was written, you know, a, sc- a scholarly article written by this dude who's like, so you people wouldn't know this, but I know this is that the, the guy, the director of Last of Us 2 is from israel and he has frequently compared situation the last of us two to israel palestine but he clearly Mm. means that in the sense where like well both sides are doing bad things here and need to just learn to let it go like not a like not a nuanced understanding of the whole conflict but yeah exactly like that well i snuck up behind him and put a knife to his throat and he had the balls to you know try to fight back so of course i stabbed him through the eye i'm still the hero here Yeah, yeah. It's just, anyway, all of that was so ugly that I couldn't finish that game. I finally was just like, nope. And it's not, and I want to make it clear, again, not really that political, not even, and definitely not. uh, And also I want to recognize that there was some really weird backlash when that game came out, both about the fact that the main character was a lesbian now, and also just like somebody sent like all of the voice actors, like death threats, and all of that. Are are we talking
0: about the second one now, or still... Oh, yeah. I knew playing the game even before it came out that like, oh, this the Internet's going to fucking flip out. Sure enough, they did. In, yeah. And all in, the, in the dumbest exactly. way.
1: Yeah. Ridiculous, inappropriate, unjustifiable. None of that has to do with why I don't like the game. Uh, but I think I've said enough about it anyway. So because of all that, I was like, I don't need to watch the show. If the show watches like the game feels Then I just don't want to watch the show, and I don't appreciate like that there appears to be this huge marketing campaign and like viral campaign to get me to watch the show. Uh, And
0: yeah, well, I mean, it's like any you know the the new big thing on HBO, which happens like every two weeks now. It's I don't know, you know, maybe it's fantastic, and I'll watch it someday. But for now, you know, I'm
1: so all I can is you obviously haven't heard about episode three, which is apparently like this masterpiece of an episode in which nick offerman is gay
0: oh i've heard about it yeah but that's then, another thing where like you know that was in the games they didn't ever have you know a side story focusing on it it was always just in the background and so i guess you know credit where credits do they do it sounds like uh bring appropriate attention to that relationship but I don't know. Yes, I knew about that shit anyway. So. And it's supposedly
1: TikTok is losing their minds about it. But I'm just like, stop it! I don't want to watch it. Stop trying to talk me into watching it. Yeah. Stop I'm telling good. me how good it feels to be sad about all of this. This is. Ugh. There,
0: there is so little TV I give a shit about. Like, the the most recent yeah. television series I've watched is I watched the Ken Burns documentary on the U.S. and the Holocaust, and oh, I know bet we
1: came out looking great on that one. <laughs> oh
0: oh kyle your your uh, your ironic naivete (laughs) even that cannot be entertained here because that as uh i I won't get into it because we we really should talk about this other stupid thing uh there was an episode near the end where i was like i gotta tap out for the night like (laughs) i cannot deal with any more significant of bummers than was just delivered to me this is oh boy but yeah it's um no we don't look good matter of fact uh there's there's a good amount of attention paid to how uh a, a fairly large contingent within the u.s was like i don't i think this hitler guy's getting a bad rap <laughs> like yeah. <and laughs> yeah so um not not great but you know what Speaking of crimes against humanity, we watch this TV show sometimes. And uh, today, we watched season six, episode twenty-three of The Big Bang Theory, officially titled "The Love Spell Potential." Kyle, I this was a roller coaster of emotions for me. This one. Um, you have any initial thoughts before we before I jet through the plot line?
1: yeah i don't know well, this is good because we can we can work through it help me work through my feelings on this one because for most of this episode, I was like, well, this isn't particularly interesting, mm-hmm. and then it took like a weird emotional but i mean kind of an kind of interesting but not like full on capturing my interest, and then there was like a weird tonal shift at the end, yeah. And I was like uh okay, well, we'll see
0: yeah, the tonal shift is what really really got me so to to summarize really quickly how what all what all that was about. Hey everyone, it's a Dungeons and Dragons episode. I know we've had at least one, probably at least two of these before, but In this... the
1: show. We've also definitely had Dungeons and Dragons themed episodes of the podcast that were mostly. Uh, yeah, that's like a third or a quarter fault. of them.
0: Which, you know, that's hey, that's who we are. What are you gonna do? But yeah, it's it doesn't so initially, uh the split is that The ladies are going to Vegas. Oh boy. They're going to party down. There aren't going to be any rules. Except Amy's like, well, there are going to be some rules, right? Like, there's like a certain horny barrier we're just not going to cross, right? And she's like, okay, I guess we can see there are some rules. And so they're in the car. They're ready to get on the plane to Vegas. Woohoo, good times. Meanwhile, oh, the boys are having a boys' night. Oh, it's Dungeons and Dragons time. What? And it's weird because, uh, well, it's weird to me, I think, that they still have this, like, they they relish in this time away where they get to do this without any interference with their girlfriends. But it's never been clear to me or even suggested that this time has ever been taken away from them. Like, I, I don't know that their, their D&D times have ever been interrupted and that their girlfriends all kind of understand their dorks and want to do this, but... Maybe maybe that's uh, something that's been implied and I've been missing anyway. So anyway, that's how we start. But oh, wouldn't you know it? Uh, Raj is now officially dating Lucy, and uh, her night is freed up. So he's like, "See you later, losers. I'm gonna go make out with this lady." And so that's the first fracture in the D and D night. Also, there is much attention paid to the fact that Leonard is usually the DM. Um, and tonight, instead, uh, Wallowitz is taking over DM duties. Oh yeah,
1: hated all of all of the implications of that. It turns out, but keep going.
0: Oh well, I'm not sure which implications you're referring to. Well, maybe, maybe. Okay. Well, anyway, to to summarize that part, yeah, it's apparently he's the best DM they've ever had. Sheldon, his whole gimmick throughout the entire episode is that he just cannot get enough of Wallowitz' incredible DM strategy, or I guess not strategy, but I guess just the fact that he does celebrity impressions for every single character. That's like by the end of the episode, Sheldon is demanding more impressions. And uh, the entire time, Leonard is like, oh hey, that's kind of a fun thing he's doing, and Sheldon's like, oh, kind of a fun thing compared to you. He is incredible. You stink, you loser. You should be kissing Sheldon. You should be kissing Wallowitz's rings for how much of a better DM he is than you. And so that that tone is carried throughout. But uh, what ends up happening shortly after Raj is off to his date is, ah, oh, the ladies have to come back because their trip got screwed up. Because uh, apparently, when they were going through security at the airport, uh, Amy had, a, I guess, a, a, an instinct, a reflex to the TSA agent, and and put her elbow through the TSA agent's nose. Um, and so they're, they're back, and they are bummed out for approximately five seconds before Wallowitz or uh, I don't know Leonard one of one of the friggin' nerds is like, "Hey, uh, why don't you play Dungeons and Dragons with us?" And instead of, like, crying and storming out of the room, like, I think they all really would. They're like, hey, that's a great idea. This is going to be a lot of fun. And you want to know what? Uh, it actually does turn out to be a lot of fun. This is the part of the episode that I liked, where the ladies, like, they they sort of pantomime that they're still in Vegas. Like, when they're doing dice rolls, it's like, oh, oh come on, mama, we need our 15. And that's that joke is kind of lame and doesn't really work. But aside from that, like... It is. I think it's cute to see them genuinely enjoy a D&D night all together. But then, yes, then, then does come the tonal shift where Penny makes some sort of crack about how uh, Sheldon and Amy are never actually going to have sex. And so, hey, you know what? We should actually just have them act that out in the game. Uh, which Sheldon is right when he says, boys and girls can't play D&D together because this will always happen. Someone's always going to make it uncomfortably horny. I'm sorry. Like 1950s rules, th- that's just how it is. No, but so they, they, they start doing that. But as soon as that is suggested, Amy is like, this sucks. I hate this. I'm out of here. And runs into Sheldon's bedroom. And then this is where the episode really starts to wrap up is... Most of the rest of the episode is uh, almost exclusively in Sheldon's bedroom between him and Amy. And Amy expresses frustration that uh, they don't seem to have a real relationship, that they have yet to establish any level of intimacy, and that it's now so much so that it is a joke among their friends. And Sheldon, without budging, is like, oh, no, this is what I feel intimacy is. So, it's fine. And um, that sort of doesn't work until he's like, you know, we were going to have this horny D&D display out in the front room. How about here privately in our room, we play that out with our own little sexy private dice rolls. And um, I don't think by the end of the episode it is even implied that this engage that, that this uh, leads to any actual physical interaction, <laughs> instead it is really just horny role playing. But yeah, the episode ends with um, Penny and uh, Leonard going to check on the two of them because they've been in the room for so long. And there's there's a joke about Sheldon trying to figure out which part of Amy's body to caress, and then rolling like a thirteen and getting her nose, and uh, needing to re-roll. And so the the final joke is her. Is him rolling like a seventeen or whatever, and her her moaning out yes, that's that's our episode. Kyle and the oh, I totally totally forgot the B plot. Raj goes on a date with Lucy. It's fine. I, I'm gonna say finally, I feel like Kate Mikuchi actually gets to be funny in this episode, which was really nice. And um, but their 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 plot is very very straightforward. They're out at dinner. It's going as well as a date between them can. Until Lucy's like, oh, I'm trying to do more things I'm afraid of. And Raja's like, hey, you said you're afraid of sending food back. Well, you just complained about your crab cakes being kind of nasty. Let's send those back. And so he calls the waiter over, tries to goad her into sending it back. She breaks down, runs to the bathroom, again tries to escape out the window. Or actually does, but then um, when she gets to the other side, she finds she is behind a locked fence with just a dumpster and no way to get back into the window uh so she texts raj raj comes around and is like hey what the shit is this all about this is actually starting to hurt my feelings but um then and like a cute but actually you know in real life would be like ah gross way raj is like "Ah, oh, you have so much more emotional damage than me and i can't describe how attractive that is and they kiss each other through the chain link fence kyle Notes. Yeah,
1: first kiss of the of that relation. So I guess this episode was about relationships that seem stuck in neutral, moving forward.
0: I think so. Which you know, like I'm glad that there was so little of the horny role playing because, as as you were just describing that, I for half a second imagined what some of Sheldon's responses would be like, and I don't want to hear it. Now you're I gonna kill I, yourself. I, yeah, and it's not like i'm not saying that sheldon is necessarily any less sexy than anyone else on the show but that him in character trying to coldly describe the specifics of touching someone else's body sounds like a bit much for me which is good because it didn't happen i'm I'm imagining a horror i didn't have to experience
1: (laughs) yes yes i think that's fair I do agree that, um real talk, What if she's drunk and it's a TV show and it's hardly the least appropriate thing that's ever happened on this TV show, but uh yeah, Penny being like, hey, these two characters should kiss in this game, it's kind of wildly inappropriate. Oh,
0: yeah. No, that's... um
1: I mean, you acknowledge that. I'm not adding really anything new to the conversation. But that is the kind of shit that when it in- happens in real life, like... It's you know it gets people uh, in trouble. It's like officially, insofar as D anD D is trying to evolve into a thing with standards for how to play that make everyone feel comfortable and included, that's the sort of thing that uh, has been explicitly, explicitly no-noed. no note. And it, I guess it is weird that you have to say, hey, don't don't try to make your characters. Uh, get it on non-consensually within the game. Well, actually, I guess that's the. Well, that's I, the, go ahead.
0: I I do not blame D anD D at all for this. Rambling. And well, no, no, it's I, I don't think I don't think it's a ramble, but I also don't think it's it's D anD D's fault. And I don't think they're you know with or without any rules discouraging that kind of stuff, it would really affect Penny because I I think what's going on is Penny wants to poke at the issue and if D D is like just that one degree removed that lets her go at it like without saying to the two of them directly what are you guys gonna fuck you know she's gonna do that but you're also right that putting any two people in that situation where it's like all right i guess either we're gonna do something that we're totally uncomfortable with and or we're gonna have to re examine the boundaries of our own friendship and relationship status in front of all of our friends on the spot. And or we're gonna be totally into it and then everyone's gonna get horny and it's gonna get even weirder. But you know, that's that's probably not the most likely option. Um yeah, it's it's a weird shitty situation.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean I guess it would it's it's hard because I do like uh well it's not it's not that hard it's not that complicated but i will acknowledge that like if you watch a show called like critical role half of the joy of watching that show is watching all of the characters flirt shamelessly with each other you know they have a weird incestuous sort of polyamorous vibe going on all the time so and they all presumably are cool with that it would be a different thing in fact One time they had a guest on the show, Uh and uh, the guest kissed one of the – I mean, not – I want to make it clear. The guest character kissed one of the player's characters because of – and at the time, I don't think – like, I don't think anybody – I don't think it made anybody in the game that uncomfortable. I think it was fine. I don't – as far as I can remember. But the audience was like, oh, no, that is crossing a bright line. So they've since apologized for it, and they've retconned it out, and it's just like – you, know, you can't do that. But you can. I guess what I'm saying is funny is you can still totally. It is totally, accept, oddly acceptable to be like, and now our two characters are going to have like a passionate love scene in the middle of this game for everyone else to watch. But we consent to do this, so it's fine.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think so long as both of them flip a coin and they both land on either heads or tails together, I think that's the consent role. And so that's easy enough. That's built right into the game mechanics. Yeah, it's you know, rules, no rules. People are gonna be creeps when they wanna be creeps. And you know, you can either be like, hey, stop being a creep or uh you know, like, like happened in the episode, Penny gets a few drinks in her and then she's just like, I gotta I gotta get in this business, I gotta know. <laughs> Which I don't know. She was I'm not saying this is a justification, but I think she's the the poutiest about having been denied a Vegas vacation, and so I think maybe she's just trying to stir up any kind of trouble she can.
1: Yeah, that's I sort of say the way it's coded in the episode is she's just she's just drunk and being silly.
0: Yeah, yeah. I and mean, like I don't, you know, mean to suggest that she's vindictive at all, yeah, but that she's that's oh that's the the one objection that that sheldon ultimately has to the ladies joining is uh that penny makes a a big batch of drinks for everyone and he's like "Mm, no alcohol and she's like that's a magic potion deal with it and you know what works well enough okay very obvious but uh hey uh it's 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 a joke it's a square peg that fits into a square hole thanks thanks writers you you got your check um Anywho, anything else about this one? I don't know, uh <sighs> there was one really specific joke on the date between Lucy and Raj that I really liked, which is they're at the bar, just a chit chatting and uh Lucy's starting to open up about her many anxieties and inability to like deal with kind of any form of confrontation. And one of those is how she's like, oh man, it sure would be great if I could ever work up the nerve to tell my uh, hairstylist that I don't like bangs. And Raja's like, oh, but I like your bangs. And she goes, oh, thanks. And then turns to the camera and makes like the greatest stink face. And then I'm like, oh, that's the Kit Makuchi I want. That's someone who's like getting to mug and say silly things. And so I hope she doesn't I hope she does disappear like all the others, but um, that was a specific actual laugh moment for me. So, hooray episode! I don't know. Do we just want to lean into this whole thing and talk even less and less about the actual episodes and things we're into, I mean, or we
1: can talk as much as we want about the episode if there's anything else? In... Well, I'm I not guess... really
0: sure there is, though. You know, like this. Like
1: normally, I would use this as a segue to talk about all of the hot D and D. Gosh, but I sort well, of used up that. I played you, that card last week.
0: So. You said something, I think, before I did the summary about really hating the implication of Wallowitz being such a great DM or something no, like no, that.
1: I just, I, I didn't like the impressions. I thought that was...
0: Oh, oh yeah, no, that sucked. <laughs> that,
1: okay, was, that was it.
0: <laughs> well, it's because, you know, talking about that for like two seconds is... What does he do? He does it. He does it. De Niro. The three no, he doesn't do a De Niro. He does uh
1: He does Nick Cage, Al Pacino, and Christopher Walken, aka yes. the three impressions that any white guy can do. Well, actually, maybe any any man, if any. Sorry, I don't know why. I think it, just I white mean man. any
0: anyone that can make one of those extreme voices like a hey, well, yeah. I can't do that right
1: okay. now.
0: Yeah, and you know they're all you know over the like, top and wacky, but none of them are good. And the audience, thought, well, less and less so with each one, but like is applauding, like "Oh my God, he really did it!" <laughs> like, I do, yeah. like
1: the impression that like Sheldon has never heard, or like the suggestion that Sheldon has never heard Wallowitz do these impressions before, and is just blown away by the implication that these characters can have.
0: That that was another. Was that was another thing I I did like is that yeah, Wallowitz's whole impressions thing totally sucks. But yeah, Sheldon's delight in his impressions—I did genuinely enjoy. <laughs> like, it's just this childlike wonder and excitement. He's having so much fun playing the game he enjoys with his friends, and it's like, good for you, man. Um, yeah. All right, let's let's talk about other stuff. I don't know i uh we want to move on to the the thing we we actually enjoy and would recommend, or is there any other intermediary bullshit we want to go through?
1: no, go ahead Let's, okay you go first
0: you know, I was feeling kind of anxious because uh as as i <laughs> I think as I mentioned last time we recorded like my 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 free time not doing any other specific thing is mostly still dedicated to playing xenoblade chronicles 2 and i was like i have like i watched half of the witch the other night but still have to finish it i can't recommend that but then i remembered uh i i watched a slew of movies a few weeks ago that i really enjoyed and haven't got through to recommending any of them and so uh, i'm going to refer back to that blissful period and i'm going to recommend The 1977 Japanese film House, or Housu. And, Kyle, have you ever seen this film? Uh,
1: no, I have not. I feel... I'm just a... Did we... Was this not your recommendation last week?
0: It totally could have been. I really thought, man, did I do the same thing when I didn't have anything to talk about with Xenoblade Chronicles? I think I did. Oh, God, the editing was insane. Oh, I totally did all this. Okay, so my recommendation (laughs) this week is Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Um... (laughs)
1: No, talk more. It's fine. I didn't even make you self-conscious. I was just wondering... You haven't made me self-conscious, but you,
0: no, you you haven't lost your mind. Yours works perfectly fine. I have... So here's... You know what? If, if I had to recommend any other thing from my life, I don't know, try doing stand-up comedy. I did that a few nights ago, and it was pretty fun. <laughs> so... <laughs> But yeah, aside from that, I'm just playing this... Okay, here. You know what? I've recommended Xenoblade Chronicles 2 before. I'm going to recommend it again with a slightly different perspective, which is that I play so many video games, and I feel really guilty about it a lot of the time because I'm like, I could be spending that time, I don't know, saving the world or something, or at least learning guitar, you know? Um, and instead, I'm just I'm like, this is like my third time playing through this gigantic overly long anime game and something that i've recently tried to like reflect on though is that like i do genuinely love this shit you know like it's not like a guilty pleasure i'm not doing it just to zone out like i i'm walking across the back of these titans with my plucky little crew and they're all so emotionally supportive And I know what all of their favorite little food items are because I've had to rigorously go through entirely too long lists of them to try to find which one every one of them likes so I can best maximize their trust and affinity charts. Uh, But, uh, I mean, I I love it. And I uh, see sometimes... I I, I look at opinions on the internet about it and the the complaints against that I see most are that it's way too long and that it has way too many opaque not even necessarily interlinking overly complicated mechanics and those things are true and there are reasons i like it even more it's so it's so dumb the number of things you have to do if you want to like maximize your your character's stats or abilities or anything else in this game but also none of it's necessary you know so like if you're a real hardcore hundred percenter and you have to scratch every single little itch in the game, like that could be a genuinely daunting experience. But like, I don't know, it's an easy enough game to breeze through. Uh, it's fun. It's all the uh the main bad guy crew. Like I I thought for a long time playing the game that one of them very much looks like a Sephiroth. And I don't know if this is something I learned and forgot or if I only just recently learned it, but my most recent playthrough, looking at the credits, I was like, oh, he was designed by, uh, that whole crew was designed by Tetsuya Nomura, the oh, Final well, Fantasy yeah. VII yeah, yeah, guy that, that who started would... as the character designer, and who has since become a nightmare, who is, I, I, I want to battle him in hell. <laughs> um, Wait, why? Okay. So, you know what? This... Okay, the... I won't I won't go on to... a whole tangent here. This is a I brief mean... side note. I got I... time. <laughs> I feel like when he was doing his stuff back in his his early days with Square that it was great. Like all the I I think Final Fantasy 7 rules, but then at some point, you know, he gets to do the Kingdom Hearts games and he gets to do uh, mainline Final Fantasy games and all of a sudden, not only does the writing in all of these mainline Square games become completely incomprehensible, but every character now becomes like a super fun, like all sorts of chains and zippers and dangly accessories, wacky uh, over-the-top anime character, and that is like his only go-to style and I feel like that's just really permeated all of these things I love and is a stain that must be washed clean but also I don't know this is not for me you know but I still love I still love these these sexy bad guys in my in my cute anime game I'm playing so yeah also I could have recommended uh The Phantom Thread that's another movie I watched that I think Kyle and I talked about at Half air. so yeah that's good watch that one
1: no I think we <laughs> talked about that one on air too i don't know anyway yeah yeah phantom we, we, we talked
0: about it either immediately or during recording for sure but yeah watch the phantom thread <laughs> you're like oh man a, a quiet movie about a tailor really yeah yeah it kicks ass <laughs> kyle okay do you have a so, thingy
1: yeah so uh as on, on the subject of uh of watch versus not watch watchable versus not watchable tv uh, mostly, uh, out of my, my newfound fascination with Rian Johnson projects, I watched, uh, the pilot of Poker Face, which was okay, but then I watched okay. the second episode of Poker Face, and I was like, okay, okay, maybe there's something here. And anyway, long story short, I've now watched four of the five episodes that are currently streaming on Peacock of Poker Face, and it's a pretty good show.
0: Okay. Um, so, on. Well, I didn't have a lot. I was gonna say. I was gonna ask. I've I've heard, very you know, just headlines that it's it's radical and needs to be watched. I don't even know what it is. Should so the, I not the, know? Oh, go ahead.
1: No, it's fine. It's I will tell you because it's it's both. What's weird is that it is not radical in terms of, like. Anything about the actual way the show is structured. If anything, it is ret- it is deliberately retro in a way I will shortly explain. The radical thing about it is just that it's good.
0: Um so basically okay. it, that's that is a rare treat.
1: No, what I mean is so basically it is very clearly structured after like a 1970s, nineteen eighties like mystery show, like specifically Columbo and also shades of like maybe the fugitive or the incredible hulk because it's about a uh tra- so uh sh- sh- traveling character who who solves mysteries um and that you know and so in the first episode we meet this woman and we find out that she has a unexplained how she like it's not the mechanism by which it works is something even she doesn't understand but basically if you say something in front of her that you know did not be true if you tell a lie uh, and she sees you telling the lie she can tell that you're lying and it's not clear if this is like a psychic thing is this like a um like a superpower is she just like reading very good like micro body language we don't know we just know that she can Tell that people are lying, and she can even do it like you know if she sees a recording of someone lying, she can
0: tell that they're lying
1: if they know if they know that they're lying, so again, this isn't like if I say you know it will rain tomorrow, uh, but I have no fucking clue oh,
0: so not if they're just incorrect,
1: yeah, yeah. Oh. No, it's if if I say if that's and that's part of the point is that like she's like it's not actually that useful a power in real life because I can only I'm only a lie detector and it turns out people lie all the time and 90 percent of the time it's for trivial reasons like the only thing she had ever used it for was to play poker. But then, you know, she she flew a little too close to the sun and she's been blackballed from playing poker. So she's like, I will never use this ability for any any reason ever again. But then a murder happens and it turns (laughs) out that solving a murder might be one other case where being able to tell when people are lying comes in super handy. Uh, But the murder that she solves puts her on the wrong side of the mob. So now she has to go on the run. So in every subsequent episode I've seen so far has the exact same structure. Which is this is where it get it's again it's not revolutionary it's just unique how much attention to detail there is which there is which is we these stories aren't told aren't whodunits they aren't these aren't mysteries where the plot is like how was this person killed or why was this person killed at the beginning of every episode we meet the victim we meet the murderer we there's usually like a 10 to 15 minutes of them interacting and like a montage where we see like how these two know each other, how their lives intersected, like what kind of relationship they have and why one of them suddenly has the idea that they have to kill the other one. We (laughs) watch the whole murder play out. We watch them dispose of all the evidence and look like they're going to get away with it. And then we flashback and we see the events unfolding from the main character's perspective. I think her name is Charlie. And we watch Charlie sort of ingratiate herself on the scene, meet these characters, uh, see what these events look like from her perspective. And then when the person gets murdered, she's like, Oh, well I've been here long enough and I care enough about this situation to see if I can solve it before I have to, you know, run again from the mob. Nice. Uh, and so, yeah. So it's basically like crazy mystery solver blows into town. Uh, solves pretty mystery but i mean again what's weird about them is they're not mysteries in the sense that you the audience don't know what the mystery is you you see it all play out and you're just watching someone figure out what you already know uh and then of course the other interesting part of it uh from a, like an innovations on the formula standpoint is she 's not a police officer she 's actually a fugitive, and her power is unlike in most shows where it 's like you know if someone has a magical power, the police just accept, oh well she 's got a wacky magical power, uh, which was always sort of the weirdest part of psych to me that uh, they were just like well ah, he 's a psychic. what can we yeah. tell you."
0: Um, yeah. We've we've put him through all the rigorous testing that we require for <laughs> adjacent detective work. Like no, no, yeah, we just he's a psychic. It's cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. So she has no. She has minimal contact with the police. So she never like her solving the crime. Uh, usually, she gets to the point where she solves the crime, and then the question is, well, like, great, I know like who did it, and I know why. I have no way of proving this to the police. And yeah. I'm not a police officer, so I can't arrest this person. Uh, shit. <laughs> and so so each episode ends with sort of like a different tonal resolution. Oftentimes the murderer is not like brought to immediate justice. Um, like usually there's some sense that they will be brought to justice. But even then the justice is more like they've lost all of their hope for advancement or whatever. basically they committed a murder and it turned out to be meaningless and it won't help them. And also everybody's going to know that they murdered someone, whether they actually go to jail for it for the rest of their life. That's sort of how they resolve themselves, which is a weird way for a show to resolve, but also like, you know, strangely real in a way. Um, Mm. So the main things that recommend this uh, show, the main things that make this show work in a really, Well, it's just the quality of the writing and particularly the quality of the acting and the guests. So like I said, every week is an entirely new set of people. And in true Columbo fashion, usually like the murderer and the, uh, the person getting murdered. These are either like really famous actors or just really good actors. Um, and you and you spend an incredible amount of time getting to know them to the point where inevitably, in every episode I've seen so far, except for the pilot, which was in many ways the weakest episode, when the murder happens, I'm bummed out. I'm bummed out because I like the guy who was murdered. You know, it's just a weird feel. You would think you would feel this in any of these shows, but in most of these shows, right? You just don't like the person who catches the the. It's just a body. It doesn't, that's exactly
0: you, what I was going to say. Yeah, just a body. <laughs> like they need yes. an inciting corpse. <laughs>
1: Right, and you hear little wacky facts about the corpse, but even the facts that you hear are just like, uh, <coughs> are just like, you know, usually just clues in disguise. Ah, isn't it weird that he never went – he never drove anywhere. He only ever hiked anywhere in his tennis shoes. Oh, he hiked everywhere in his tennis shoes. What a quirky fact. Wait, but that means he couldn't have been in his car on the day that – whatever. But in this note, you know these people, like, well enough that, like, when they die, you're like, ah – that person seemed kind of cool I like them and even the person who kills them you're usually like "Ah." I kind of get why you did that I do see like how this makes rational sense to you but you know I kind of thought you were better than this dude this is just not like way to throw away your potential for a quick and easy solution to the problem you're really letting me down mm-hmm. so you just... just
0: reminiscent of when we were talking about the uh, Israel Palestine situation earlier
1: That's funny, that's actually, yeah, it is, it's it's a benefit of good writing in which, like, I understand why they're doing it, and I'm slightly sympathetic to them, but not sympathetic enough to them that I don't want them to get caught. And so, yeah, and then besides it, mostly then the individual episodes just revolve around, like, the little idiosyncrasy. And again, the main reason I suspect this show won't last long is I just don't know how many episodes you can do like this. Because each episode has had a really interesting cast of characters, a really interesting murder and motive for the murder, uh, and then, like, a really interesting, like setting for the murder to be taking place in and each one of them has been unique and different and there have been four of them and i'm already like i don't know how many more of these they can do like not 26 a season that's for sure maybe not like 10 a season like if this were a six episode bbc show where they put out one of these every three years then maybe but i just don't know like by American production standards, how long this can last? Oh, also, I should say the detective is played by Natasha Leon, who or however you say her last name, Leon, the lady from uh, Russian Doll, yes. which everybody, you know, is a show that I never watched but is on my to watch list perpetually. Um, it's pretty good. Yeah. Well, I'm. I, definitely... Go ahead.
0: Oh, see, I avoided it initially because it came out at almost the exact same time as some other sort of like, I don't know, time travel dimension hoppy thingy, whatever it was. And I was like, oh, well, I don't know. I don't need to see two of these or either of these, to be honest, because who gives a shit? But I don't know. I eventually did cave in and and checked out Russian Doll and uh, really, really did enjoy it. So, yeah, uh encourage you to get that as a priority on your list, Kyle.
1: Well, yeah, I will definitely. Uh, I mean, because I really like her in this show. uh Uh, And so I will definitely uh, check that out. Um, And I would recommend this show for however long it's on. I recommend everybody watch it because it's it's uh, it's really it's just a good uh, it's a good little show. But, you know, it's it's not unlike The Last of Us, where it's this epic arc. You could probably watch these. You know, there's no rush. These episodes aren't going anywhere. You can watch them in any order, I bet. And it's not going to particularly matter all of that much uh you know and it's mostly you know a fun delight uh and then there's just random so like uh my favorite plot so far has been there's a guy who uh runs a barbecuery uh who gets murdered because he decides to go vegan after watching the movie okja which i thought was (laughs) yeah it's, it's pretty good and then uh, in the fourth episode where I just watched, there's a murder uh, involving a band where, uh, one of them, where the lead singer is Chloe Savigny, or however you say her name. And then one of the two backup singer the, the lead guitarist, is uh, John Darnell from The Mountain Goats, which was just funny. Mm. Um And he even does a parody of one of his own songs, because when you first meet him, he's singing this horrible song about a divorce and how he hates his wife, and he's not going to pay her any alimony. Fuck you, I don't care that you're the mother of my children. It's like, ah, at least you know what people think your songs sound like.
0: (laughs) Now I feel like I have to watch The Mountain Goats before I can, I mean, not watch, but listen to The Mountain Goats before I can truly appreciate this show.
1: I can't believe you've lived this. I can't believe you've lived this long as a white man whose friends are like tend to be other like dudes living in the mountains or I, whatever and you just haven't had the mountain goats shoved down your throat yet.
0: I I know exactly the kind of type of person you're you're talking about and yeah, I uh, I resist like any any of the big broader uh and this you know could be considered a pretty serious blind spot but it's true is like i the big broader like folk indie whatever scene i don't give a shit i don't i don't like any of that soothing insightful whatever no (laughs) so
1: well i it's the main thing i hate about the mountain goats is that like they became so popular and emblematic that you can't like recommend them anymore without sounding kind of basically they're basic now. Like, like, Mountain goats is basic, uh, in a weird way, uh, which is a shame because they really are quite good. A lot of their music is, uh, you know what? Um, so in addition to, (laughs) in addition to recommending poker face, I guess I will recommend, uh, some random favorite songs by the mountain goats that, uh, so I would start with, uh, start with maybe up the wolves, heretic pride, no children, of course. And then, uh, I'm sorry, the song is not called No Children, of course, the song is called No Children. It's just one of their most popular songs, so if you haven't listened to that one, of course you have to listen to that one. And then for my own personal touch, which is still pretty basic, still pretty high on their list of everybody knows this song, listen to The Legend of Chavo Guerrero, which, you know, a person who, in retrospect, I don't like very much, the one interesting thing they ever told me was man I can't listen to the legend of Chavo Guerrero without just like breaking out into tears at this one part in the song and god damn him that dude was an asshole but it is really hard to listen to that song (laughs) and not at least tear up a little bit
0: well that's no that's beautiful because like you can have this person that you really really dislike and yet you know that somehow you share at least a fraction of the same emotional core (laughs) You're finding empathy in this piece of shit, thanks to the the mountain goats. Yeah,
1: also, the lead singer. You know what? Uh, and uh, wrote some pretty good books uh, and some pretty weird books. But the one that I would recommend. Oh, on the subject of role playing games, and oh, you know what? No, I'm gonna save this. We've I've talked long enough.
0: <gasps> so I'm just yeah, I'm just. That was my gasp of suspense that you're you're withholding. <laughs>
1: So next time – you're not going to remember, Nick. But no, almost certainly not. <laughs> hopefully I'll remember. One of these days when I don't have another recommendation, maybe next time because uh, my time is running short right now and recommendations are a little weird. Just just say, hey, Kyle, what's the deal with Wolf in a White Van? And I will happily talk about the novel Wolf in a White Van for a little while.
0: So I'm going to remember this, Not, but I'm going to tell you how is – I'm gonna refuse to believe that it's a novel. I wish you had told me it's a novel instead. I just want to know what's up with this wolf in this white van, so, uh, yeah, uh, if you know, you, you tell me about the novel, I'm sure, when I ask the question, but I will be genuinely asking you about a wolf in a white van, and so don't be surprised if I, I'm not totally into it when you tell me about this, this fucking book, I guess. Well, that's our teaser, I guess, for the next episode. (laughs)